Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us. This week, Pastor Harrison gave a truly encouraging word on when we face hardship or disappointment in our lives. So wherever you're joining us from, sit back, relax, and enjoy. I'm going to read my opening passage of scripture, and uh, this is a passage that is generally uh, an Easter passage of scripture, but it's August and not Easter, but the story of Easter is good pretty much any month. So uh, Mark chapter 16, I just got a couple verses. It says, very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they, who were the women, were on the way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone from the entrance of the tomb? Seems like a good question. Who's going to move this big rock? But when they looked up, come on somebody, they saw the stone which was very large, had been rolled away. The stone had been rolled away. I want to call this message, in honor of this passage and the song we just sang, I want to call this message, Just Ask the Stone. Just Ask the Stone. Come on, let's give Jesus praise in this place. You guys can be seated. Mercy, can we give it up for the worship team one more time? So... So good. How's everyone doing today? A few people excited. Hey, listen, if you're new to Kingdom Church, uh, just so you know, you guys are allowed to get as loud as you want. You can respond however you want to respond. You can clap, you can scream, whatever your heart desires. So everyone doing good today? Come on, my name's Harrison, and man, uh, I'm the pastor. Just honored you guys could be here. I'm not going to lie. This is, a, this is a day that I've imagined for quite a while uh, being in this new space. Uh, if you don't know, maybe you wandered here by accident. This is our very first service um, in this space. And man, I think we were kind of worried about some of the kinks, but so far, so good. So far, so good. We're rocking this place. And man, um, I just think before I get into the word, I just want to thank every single person um, that has made today possible. So number one, first and foremost, thank you, Jesus. It's all Jesus, nothing, nothing really else. But there are some secondary parts that played a role. So man, I want to thank just every person on our team, every person that calls Kingdom Church home, those who have given financially uh, to make this happen. Thank you so much. Uh, to the people, um, man, there's just so much amazing things. I'll get to the contractors and stuff in a second, but like there's so many amazing things in this church around that like our team has done from like the screen to the stage to like the beautiful murals out there. So man, thank you to our team. And uh, again, just everyone that has volunteered in some way, whether it was moving chairs, whatever it may be. Um, And thank you to our contractor, Audi. He's in the building today. Would not be here without him. I remember kind of sharing the dream like probably a year ago almost of kind of what I wanted to do and I wanted him to be involved because everything he does is beautiful and this place is beautiful. So Adi, thank you so much. And uh, anyways, if I missed anyone, listen, I'm just so filled with appreciation that we could be here today. And so um, today actually kicks off a month long celebration uh, and it's going to come together September 25th. So mark your calendar, September 25th is our one, our four year, not our one year, our four year anniversary, and we're calling it our official grand opening. So September 25th, you wanna be here, invite a friend, it's going down, it's gonna be amazing. So today, can I get into the word today? 
um, I want to look at this story in the Bible. This is a miracle story. Uh, it's the resurrection story of Jesus. And for anyone that calls themselves a follower of Jesus, this story is actually central to your faith. In other words, if you follow Jesus, you would have no faith without this story. And this story, which marks our faith, is what I would call a miracle story. Literally, someone who was dead came back to life. Now, the reason that I felt today I wanted to talk about a miracle story is because literally here in this place, Kingdom Church, we are in the midst of a miracle. I need us to understand this. Our church, as I said, we're not even four years old. We're still just learning to be human, I guess, in terms of what a three-year-old would look like in real life. And man, God has just blessed us abundantly. Um, as I said, we're, we're just about four years old and, and literally probably a year, less than a year and a half into our church's history, COVID started. And um, which is crazy because like a brand new church in COVID didn't have services for months yet. Come on, somebody. We are still here. <laughs> And I just believe, as I said, that's only because of Jesus and because we serve a God of miracles. Now, um, as I said, our faith is rooted in miracles. But one thing that um, I think would be true for a lot of us is that although we would claim, especially if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, we would claim that we believe in miracles. In other words, you have to believe in a miracle to be a Christian because Jesus literally rose again. But what I would wager to guess is although our faith is centered around this idea of miracles, many of us in our lives have gotten to a place where perhaps we have said maybe miracles are things of the past. Things that I have seen before or, or I've heard of before, but, but not something that I'll have in my life. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about the God of miracles because I believe the God of miracles is not done. In fact, I think he's just getting started. And I believe there's another miracle, as the song says, here in this room. And so what happens is I think a lot of us get to this place where we want to be rational people. Well, Harrison, I want to live in the natural, just what's in front of me, what is black and white. But what I'm trying to tell you is that if you follow Jesus, you're already irrational. You believe in a dead guy that rose again. And I believe that same power, those same miracles, God wants to experience, us to experience in our lives. So I'm going to go through this story today, the resurrection story. And one thing I want us to understand, because this story, I think, sets the backdrop for what happens in a lot of our lives, is that the miracles that God does and the things that God do, things that God does, <laughs> are often rooted in disappointment. They're often rooted in disappointment. In other words, there's no resurrection without death. There's no salvation without sacrifice. And I think sometimes God has to tear down our best plans in order to build up his plans. And the problem though for a lot of us is that when our lives are clouded or filled with disappointment, it's hard for us to see God working. In other words, when things don't work out the way we want it to work out, many of us would, would say to ourselves, well, is God even working in my life? But what I want to show us today is that disappointment is often the backdrop for miracles. You guys with me? So again, the problem is that for us as temporal beings, meaning that we exist in time and space, a lot of times like when things are not going the way we want them to go, we feel like, well, Harrison, I'm just trapped in the moment. You guys ever been there? 
Like, I, I want to believe big. I want to have great faith. But, like, my life doesn't look the way I want it to look right now. In fact, like, I feel like everything is just disappointing. Nothing is working out the way I want it to work out. But the beauty of following Jesus is that although we are temporal beings, meaning that we do exist in time and space, we do not have to be prisoners to time and space. Why? Because when we follow Jesus, we can look at things a different way. Paul, and I promise I'm getting to the resurrection story in a second, in Philippians chapter 3, he puts it like this. He says, some people... Think only about life here on earth, but we, someone shout, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. Now, you may have heard this verse before, but for a lot of people that hear this verse, they think it's some kind of like escapist manifesto, meaning like I'm just a citizen of heaven. I'm just passing by. I don't even live here. Just take me home, sweet Jesus. That's not actually what Paul is saying in Philippians chapter three. What he's saying, he's saying some people, when they view the world, they only think about the here and now. But he's saying for us as followers of Jesus, the beauty of being a follower of Jesus is that we do not have to be prisoners to what is happening in the moment. Why? Because we are citizens of heaven. Meaning I don't have to view things on an earthly plane. I can actually view things from a heavenly perspective. And I just think what that means today is that when we are in the midst of hard times, closed doors, disappointments, we can actually begin to view things differently than they appear. Why? Because we can view things with a heavenly perspective, realizing that disappointment often gives God the margin to do the miraculous. So how can I be assured, Harrison, that is true? Let's look at the resurrection story. Kind of a long introduction. You guys ready to go? All right, let's do it. So um, we're going to kind of be all over the Gospels, specifically Matthew and Mark. Um, Matthew 27, uh, where we pick it up, this is Saturday. And what has happened uh, is that Jesus has already been crucified. So he's, he's dead. This is Saturday. Everything around him this day is disappointment, um, especially for his followers. Because they're thinking to themselves, like, man, like, this was the one. Now he's gone. Like, what's going on? Uh, then on the other hand, we have the Jewish followers, or the Jewish leaders, I should say. And the Jewish leaders, the ones that put Jesus to death, they want to make sure that he stays dead. That's where we pick it up in Matthew 27. It says the next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, the deceiver, that's Jesus, if they called him, said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. So again, I kind of want to just understand something because it's kind of funny, but the followers of Jesus are kind of hiding, disappointment, disappointed, sad. The ones that crucified Jesus supposedly don't believe in him are the ones most worried about a possible resurrection. It's funny though, but I think it's a truism in life. A lot of times, like the ones that don't follow Jesus, sometimes they have greater faith than the ones that actually claim to follow Jesus, which is kind of a weird thing. Um, so they continue, they say, uh, again, they were saying to, to, to Pilate. So Pilate answers, he says, take a guard, go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. So, I want us to understand this story because what I'm trying to get us to do is I want us to begin to view things from a heavenly perspective. And specifically, it's like, Harrison, what is a heavenly perspective? 
Well, the truth is, um, it is the word of God, the Bible, that actually gives us the heavenly perspective. It's not thinking positively. It's not believing in myself. It's being rooted in the word and understanding how God has worked in the past gives us a framework for how he will work in the future. And so one of the things that the Bible does is the Bible gives us two things. Everyone say two things. It gives us hindsight and it gives us foresight. Let me explain. The reason we have hindsight when we read the Bible is because we know how the story ends. And so because we know how the story ends, everything that we read, we can read it through the perspective of hindsight. Now, maybe you're you're new to church and you're like, well, Harrison, how does the story end? Um, Spoiler alert, Jesus leaves the tomb. He's not there. Come on, somebody. He's not there. That's how the story ends. And so we can read this now with hindsight, knowing that the best plans that they came up with don't work. And so now we can begin to live our lives with foresight and faith, understanding because of the hindsight that we had, the plans of the enemy, they just don't work. Does that make sense? So let me really break this down. So when you look at the story, I want us to understand. So Jesus crucified in the grave, in the tomb, behind a big stone. Now, the stone in and of itself would have been enough to keep Jesus at bay. Like, number one, like, literally from the inside, those stones were about one to two tons. So, like, humongous, like, thousands of pounds. So, from the inside, you weren't moving that thing. Jesus was not coming out by himself with just moving it. Now, from the outside, which you read here, the disciples, they could, like, maybe move the stone and and maybe take the body of Jesus. But in order to move a thousand-pound stone, even if the disciples were to do that, they could not do it quietly. Like, it would have made a ruckus. Like, a whole bunch of men trying to move a big stone. And have you guys ever noticed that, like, when you try to do something quietly, you end up doing it louder? Like, I got this gate in my house, like, this baby gate, and, like, I, I, I hop over it, like, all the time, never touch it. But, like, when the kids are sleeping, and I want to be really quiet, like, that thing becomes an obstacle I'm tripping on and making a whole bunch of noise. Because it's hard to be quiet when you're trying to be quiet. And so, if the disciples were to go and move that, people would see... So the stone, what I'm trying to get us to understand is the stone in and of itself was a large obstacle. It was enough. Someone say, it was enough. It was enough. But they were so scared, the Jewish leaders, they say, hey, Pilate, can you get your guards to come and watch the tomb? And so Pilate does two things. He sends the guards and then he seals the tomb. Why is this significant? Well, the seal on the, sto- the, steel on- the, seal on the stone, say that 10 times fast would signify um, that by Roman authority, this stone is not to be entered. You would not break the seal. To break the seal would to be go against the Roman Empire, which you would not do. And so for the guards that were guarding the seal, to guard the seal literally meant their life. Like if this thing broke, their lives were at stake. And so this is only the best of the best. Like these are the best guards. This is Pilate's special ops guarding this tomb in which a stone by itself probably wasn't getting rolled anyways, but it's completely guarded. Does that make sense? And so what I'm trying to get us to understand is that if you read this story without knowing how the story ends, what you are supposed to see is a closed door. What you're supposed to see when you read this is hopelessness. Like, oh my gosh, there's no way this stone is moving. It's actually, literally impossible. 
But because we have a heavenly perspective, because we know how the story ends, when we read those verses, that should actually fill us with hope. It should fill us with joy. Why? Because material objects don't stand before the resurrected Jesus. The highest human authority cannot stand before the resurrected Jesus. All of our strength that humans could ever conjure up does not stand before the resurrected Jesus. So here's what I'm trying to get us to see, because this list is a setup to let us know that perhaps there's a miracle in motion. When I read this list, I should see, man, there's a miracle in motion. God's up to something. Why? Because I want us to write this down because this can help in our lives. Many times, obstacles are just opportunities. And what I mean by that is that we need to begin to view obstacles as opportunities for God to show up. Now, truth be told, we don't really like that because like, I don't want obstacles. <laughs> like, I, don't want, I don't want hard times. But it is in the hard times, it is in the obstacles, it is in the places we would rather not be that we give God margin to do the miraculous. I referenced it at the start of the message, but our church, I just, I just see this so much. Every obstacle that we have ever faced has been an opportunity for God to show up. I, I, again, I referenced it, but I'm gonna go a little bit deeper. Um, our church was like a year and a half old when COVID started. And again, like, I don't think any of us knew, you know, the lengths and, and how long the whole thing would be. Um, and so I wasn't necessarily like scared when it happened because like, I think like most of us, we thought it would be two weeks, right? But it ended up being like, we didn't have a service for four months in person. And uh, when you view that, like without today, like if you would have told me like in 2018, there's going to come a time when your church just starts and you won't meet for four months. I'd be like, is it because we died? <laughs> like what happened? But again, because of the beauty of the hindsight that we now have, like I can look back on that season that was hard, that was difficult, that I would rather not have been in as a church and I can see the hand of God at work. Because what I know to be true is that the majority of people, like especially the, the newer people that call Kingdom Church home, the reason you are here is in some roundabout way because of COVID. Whether you started watching online, whether you were just looking for a new home, whatever it may be, I know there are so many people that would not be here without COVID. And that's weird to say because I hated that time. I hated that season. But it's in those moments, those obstacles that God now has opportunities, come on somebody, to do the miraculous. And so I just wonder if there's an obstacle in your life right now, there's something that you are viewing as a situation or a season you would rather not be in. But what I want to tell you is that the beauty of serving Jesus is that you can have a heavenly perspective. And so maybe right now, all of that disappointment that you are feeling is a setup for God to do something miraculous. Why? Because obstacles are opportunities that give God margin to do the miraculous. Did you guys write that down? Obstacles are opportunities that give God margin to do the miraculous. I think the beauty of following Jesus is that all of the faith stories we hear everywhere are our stories. It's not just what happens here, it's what happens everywhere. And this, this pattern, if you understand Christianity, that's just how God rolls. Where there are obstacles, there's opportunities. The church right now is growing fastest in places where it's illegal. 
doesn't make sense, but it's an obstacle that gives God an opportunity to do the miraculous. And so what happens then, and this is the, the beauty, I said the Bible gives us hindsight and foresight. What's the foresight? Is to realize whatever my situation is right now, I can look forward and I can believe wholeheartedly in faith that God will still work this for good. Now, a lot of us are like, well, Harrison, like that sounds good. I know God does miracles and all that stuff. But like, can you give me something practical? Like, can you give me something to help me in my hard times? Like, give me something that just like, I need a step. Okay, I'll give you two steps. You ready? But let's go to Mark 16 first. Chapter, uh, verse one. It says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, mother of Jesus, uh, and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so they may go anoint Jesus's body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after the sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? So again, we have the beauty of hindsight. We can look back on this. Again, these guys are in the moment and as you read it, they're not expecting a resurrection party, right? For them, this is the end of the line. But because we know what happens, we can go back and we can kind of dissect probably some things they should have done better. Now, the first thing that sticks out to me was the question they asked as they were walking there. And again, it's a practical question, but they said, hey, who's going to roll the stone? Who's going to roll the stone from the entrance of the tomb? You see, again, this question lets us know that a miracle was not even on their radar. But because, listen, we serve the God of miraculous and we know how this story ends, what I want to suggest in our lives, because the truth is, this is what so many of our lives look like. When it's an obstacle, when it's a hard season, when it's a bad time, we ask the wrong questions. We say, God, why are you allowing me to go through this? God, where are you? God, are you even real? You see, I think like these ladies at the tomb, so oftentimes we ask the wrong questions, forgetting that we serve the God of resurrection power, forgetting we serve the God that literally spoke the world into existence. And if God spoke the world into existence, my gosh, what could he do in my situation? What could he do in my circumstance? So here's the practicality of things. I'm gonna really dig into it, but I think the first thing we need to do in hard times, disappointing times, is we need to begin to learn to change our questions. We need to change our questions. We need to stop asking God why instead. What if we could begin to ask God how? God, how are you gonna work this for good? God, I may not understand it. I may not feel it, but I know who you are. And so when we can begin to change the questions around, we can begin to now lean into the God that wants to do more than we could ever think, dream, or imagine. Now you're saying, well, Harrison, like, what happens if I don't feel it? Because like the hardest thing in disappointment is really our emotions, right? Because like I don't feel hopeful. I don't feel filled with joy. I don't feel filled with peace. Like so Harrison, what do I do? Super simple. We need to not act on our feelings. Because like truth be told, I can't actually control how I feel. Do you guys know that? Like you're going to feel how you feel. It's just going to happen. But I can control how I respond to how I feel. And I can say, whatever I feel, I will not allow it to control me. I will not allow it to lead me. And so one of the things I want us to understand is that I do not feel my way into better behavior, but I behave my way into better feelings. Does that make sense? 
Let me say it again. I don't feel my way into better behavior. I act my way into better feelings. In other words, I'm gonna act first and feel second. So when my emotions say give up, God is not for me. God is not with me. God, what's up? I'm not gonna trust those feelings. I'm gonna act with faith because of that heavenly hindsight and say I'm moving forward even though I don't feel it. So I told you I'll get even more practical. So we gotta change our questions. So Harrison, how do I do that? How do I begin to act better? How do I begin to not be dominated by how I feel? Number one, and I got it on the screen, um, you need to understand God's heart for you. In order to not be dominated by my feelings, I must understand God's heart for me. Now you're asking yourself, well, what is God's heart for me? Romans chapter eight, verse 28 says it like this. He says, we know that in all things, God works for good, for the good of those who love him and who've been called according to his purposes. So what we know is this, here is a truth. In my life, and, and this verse is not saying that God is the author of bad things in your life. Most of you guys here, let's be honest, how many of you guys know that you are the author of the bad things in your life? Right, like, hey, you know what? Every bad thing has really been me. <laughs> it's been me, right? God is not the author of the bad things in our life, but what he is the author of is he is the one who will take those bad situations. He will take those broken things. He will take hardships, hard times, and turn it for good. That's just who he is. And so he continues, Paul, in verse 31, he says, what shall we say in response to this? He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he also, not along with him, graciously give us all things? So listen, you want to understand, what is God's heart for you? Super simple. God's heart for you is this. He is the author of all things that are good. And so in our worst situations, God will turn it for good. Why? Because he is for you. I want you to understand this. God is unapologetically for you. And so this is the picture I need to have when I'm in a situation where all I can see is what's right in front of me. Because what's right in front of me is gonna dominate my thoughts, my emotions, my feelings, but I need to have a heavenly perspective where I don't look like what's in front of me, I look up. And when I look up, I say to myself, God is for me. God is unapologetically for me. Meaning I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know why I'm going through this right now. Some of you do know why you're going through this right now. It's because of your bad choices. Whole other sermon. But I know that God one day somehow will work it for good. And so even in my hardest times, I can have hope and I can believe that perhaps there's a miracle in motion. So the first thing is I need to understand God's heart for me. Second thing is this, I must look back on God's faithfulness. As I referenced, I must never forget all that God is doing, not just in my life, not just in my church, but everywhere. Every time I open up the word of God, every time I look in the Bible, those miracles, those stories, those are our stories. Every time God has worked in your life, we are supposed to remember, we are supposed to look back. The reason in four weeks we celebrate our four-year anniversary, you're like, what's special about four? Every year is special. Every year is a chance to mark the miraculous things that God has done. And so these moments where we look back on the faithfulness of God give us hope for the future. 
They give us hope. Because I know if God's worked it out before, I believe he's going to do it again. And maybe you don't know it right now. Maybe you can't see it. But I can guarantee there is times in your life where God has worked for your good. And a lot of times what you need to do is just simply remember. How do you remember? We share stories. And that's why in our personal lives, in our groups, in our friends, we need to talk about the faithfulness of God. Because those stories in our lives unlock it in other people's lives. Because suddenly you remember, oh yeah, there was that one time like 10 years ago when I thought I should die, but God miraculously healed me. How did I forget that? But you would not believe how easy it is to forget when we don't consciously and intentionally remember. Now, I had a story that I was going to tell right here in this part. Uh, I wrote this message on Wednesday, but then something happened on Thursday. And so I got a new story that's like two days old. But we're looking back, and it's going to give us faith to the future. So um, if you guys, how many of you guys were outside last week? Anyone? A few people out to our service? Uh, if you guys remember, I said, um, there's one permit we have to get. And so I said, I'm 99% positive that we're going to be in the building this weekend. Um, so we're here, but we didn't get the permit. Now you're like, okay, is this illegal? No, let me explain. Jake is on fire watch. Um, (laughs) So it's kind of a long story, so I'm going to keep a long story brief. But um, essentially, there was supposed to be an inspection on Wednesday. Didn't happen. Supposed to be an inspection Thursday. Didn't happen. So then like Thursday, I make a phone call. There was kind of like a whole bunch of different channels. So then eventually, I was like, I'll just make the call myself. And so I made the call to the guy that does the inspections. um, And he's like, yeah, nothing's booked. And I'm like, oh, cool. Um, We need you uh, in order to get the occupancy permit. And so, like, can you come, like, tomorrow, Friday morning, bright and early, so I can get all this stuff to the city? And he's like, well, um, that's really short notice because there's, like, four guys, I think, that we need for this job. Um, And he said, uh, you need to turn the breakers off 24 hours in advance. And it's already, like, noon. I'm like, sweet. Um, I was like, but we really need to be in there um, because like we have our church services planned and there's actually a funeral this afternoon that's happening um, at three o'clock. And so I told him like all those things are happening. We need to be in the building, right? And so um, he's like, well, I'll see what I can do. But like there's a whole bunch of guys that got to line up and they have to um, basically be okay that you didn't turn this stuff off 24 hours in advance. He's like, but sometimes they give you grace. And so I just wrote this sermon and I was like, man, like the timeline's too short. There's four guys that are lined up. Like it seems impossible. I'm like, but I just wrote a message and um, like God's going to do something crazy. And so um, he calls me back like an hour later. And by this point, the guy's like, even when I was explaining him this stuff, like he was kind of on our side. He's like, I'm gonna do everything I can. And so he calls me at 1230. Um, and the moment he calls, like, I can see in his voice, he's got disappointment. And he's like, hey, like, I'm so sorry. I tried everything I could do. He's like, I got three of the guys lined up. Just one guy I couldn't do. And um, sorry, like, there's just, there's no way it's going to happen. But you're booked in for Tuesday next week. And I'm like, sweet. Um, and then I entered a mild depression. <laughs> 
And like literally, I'm not lying, like I hung up the phone, I'm depressed. Like a second later, Sydney walks in and she's like, hey. I'm like, hello. <laughs> and so, man, I was like, I don't know what to do this weekend. I called Doug and I'm like, hey, Doug, like I know we got the funeral this, like on Sunday afternoon. I don't know what's gonna happen. All hope is gone. Like, look for a backup plan. And like, I started texting some people. Like, I think we're gonna have to record, do something online. And then like, maybe like half hour, 40 minutes later, um, the same guy calls me back. And I'm like, why is this guy calling me back? And he's like, hey, kind of excited. He's like, I may have found a plan B for you guys. I'm like, lay it on me, sister. <laughs> and he was like, and this is, this is where Jake comes into play. He was like, if you can get someone to be on temporary fire watch. <laughs> He's like, sometimes the city will give you occupancy. And so I had, to, I had to call the city, but like, I didn't want to get my hopes up. I've already been crushed. So I'm like, okay, like you're saying there's a chance. And so I called the city. Um, he didn't pick up. Called him twice, didn't pick up. I'm like, come on. And so he calls me at like 2.30. And I explained the whole situation. And like, I'm really playing up the funeral. Cause like, they don't care about church service, but they have respect for funerals. <laughs> And I'm like, hey, we got this thing Sunday afternoon. Um, and like the engineer said, if you give us temporary fire uh, code, whatever, like we can have a service. And he thinks for a second, he's like, okay. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, come on somebody. And so like, that's why we're here today. It's been a, it's been a roller coaster of emotions this week. Um, and like the reason I'm telling this story is because I want us to understand how God moves. Now, some of you guys are like, well, what did, what did God do? I'll tell you what God did. I, I believe it's one thing. I believe God stirred the hearts of the man, specifically the first guy from the fire inspection company. How do I know this? Because when I hung up the conversation, he had booked us in for next week. His job was done. He didn't have to think about me again. He could have just gone on with his life. But there was something stirring inside of him, which I believe is the Holy Spirit, saying, I'm gonna find a way for this to happen. And I just know even more so that obstacles are opportunities that give God margin to do the miraculous. And so I don't know what you're facing in your life right now, but what if it's just a setup? What if it's just a setup where God wants to get all the glory? But here's what you need to understand. You cannot despise those moments because the more you despise them, the more you begin to hate them. Even when God works it for good, you won't see it. You won't see it. Like, oh yeah, yeah, good. It came through. Suck though. <laughs> Amen. I want you guys to understand something. Like Friday, like yes, like two days ago, like I was just singing like, great is that faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I... I'll stop, I'll stop. I was, but I was just thanking Jesus because God had come through. And I'm, I'm, I was literally singing that song. Um, and I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. 
And I wanted to share it with you. I was singing that song because I just seen God come through and I just had felt like God had been so faithful. But what God spoke to me, and I want to speak it to you guys today, even if that situation didn't work out the way I wanted it to work out, God is still faithful. That's just the truth. If we were online this weekend, not in the building, God is still faithful. But what I know to be true, what can give us so much hope is that literally in order for a stone to be moved, an immovable object in our lives, all God has to do is say move. That's it. And so that gives you hope because if there's a stone in your life, you know that you serve a God that will move it with just one word. But here's the other thing. You can have confidence because you know God's heart for you that if the stone does not move, God has a different plan. Why? Because he promises that he's gonna work all things for good. That's just the plan, that's the promise. And so when I understand that, everything changes. You see, so many of us are riddled with anxiety. Do you know what anxiety really is? Anxiety is this idea that things must go according to my plan. And when they do not go according to how I want them to go, I'm filled with worry. But one thing that I heard this week, and um, I didn't hear it this week, but I practiced it this week. Um, it was a quote. He said, every moment of anxiety is a wasted prayer. Meaning every moment I feel anxious, I should pray. You need to understand, I was praying a lot this week because I was feeling anxious. And really my anxiety, what it was all rooted in, was that I wanted things to go according to my plan, according to my way. But sometimes God has different plans and different moments. And so the stone that they saw as the greatest obstacle was just a setup for the greatest miracle. And so we're going to wrap up. So Prince, if you're in the building, you can give us some keys. Mark 16, finishing, it says, as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a, right, a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Verse six, he says, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. You see, these three words set the context for my life. He is risen. Come on, he is risen. Do you guys know the classic Christian response you're supposed to say when someone says he is risen? He's risen indeed. Come on, somebody. Come on, he's risen indeed. He is risen. Let's try this again in unison. I say he is risen. You say he is risen indeed. We ready? He is risen. Come on. That indeed is a declaration that it is indeed true. And so when we come together in this place, in this brand new building, this building is a marker more than anything of the truth that Jesus is risen. He's alive. And that sets the context for everything. And so what that means today, in your hard times, in your hard seasons, you can have a prayer that is so short, only three words, just he's risen. He's risen. He's risen. And because he lives, don't make me sing, I can face tomorrow because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And here's the beauty of it all. Paul says it like this, because what raised Christ from the dead was the power of God. 
In Ephesians chapter four, Paul prays over everyone and I wanna pray over us. He says, I pray that you know how great his power is for those who have put their trust in him. It is the same power. Come on, somebody. It's the same power. Someone shout, same power. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. The same power put Christ at God's right side in heaven. What he's saying is resurrection power lives in me. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. That means I don't have to be a slave to the moment. I don't have to be a slave to my anxiety. I don't have to be a slave to my worry. Why? Because he is risen. He's risen. God's been faithful before. He's going to be faithful again. The same power. Listen, we have access to the same power. And I just want to declare this over your life over this church, we haven't seen anything yet. We haven't seen anything yet. You think God's done some crazy things in this church, you haven't seen anything yet. This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning of the journey. Listen, you think you've seen breakthrough in your life? You've seen God heal you in your life? You haven't seen anything yet. You think you've seen God use you before? Man, you haven't even seen. Because no eye has seen, no ear has heard. The plans that God has for those who love him. I just believe this. There's someone in this place. Disappointment, worry, brokenness has clouded you. But listen, there's a miracle in motion in your life and something is breaking today. Something's breaking today. Let's stand up, church, because I just want to declare this. I want us to believe this. Something is breaking today. All of the hard times, all of the things that you have been through are just a setup for God's greatest miracles. So in this place right now, if everyone could just close their eyes and bow their heads, if there's someone in this room and you're just saying to yourself, Harrison, I just want to experience the power of Jesus. Listen, the Bible says in the the gospel of Luke, he says the greatest miracle is that our names are registered in heaven. That's the greatest miracle. And so first and foremost today, if there's someone, man, you've been running, You've been through some things. If today is the day you want to put your faith in Jesus, that is the greatest miracle. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if there's someone right here right now saying, man, I just, I've been running. I've been chasing the wrong things. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to experience that resurrection power. I need a new life. My way is a dead end. If that's you today, could you just raise your hand right now? Thank you. Come on, thank you. Anyone else, you just want to just give it to Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, for anyone else in this room, every eye is still bowed, every head is still closed. You're saying, Harrison, I want to see God move in my life. I want to be open. I want to be available. If that's you today, could you raise your hand? I just want to pray over you and over every person in this place. God, I just thank you so much for your faithfulness. I thank you so much that we can come and gather together, God. And I just thank you for every hand that is raised. God, for every person that is turning their heart to you today, Jesus, we just thank you. And God, we just declare in your name that the best is yet to come. And so Jesus, for those of us that want to move past disappointment, close doors, brokenness, and live with faith and hope, Jesus, I just pray right now that you just fill us with your Holy Spirit, God. Move us to do more than we could ever think, dream, or imagine. You are so good, Jesus. We love you. We pray in your mighty, your holy, your awesome name. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to the message. We hope it blessed you and that you're encouraged and inspired. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or want more information about our church, head over to kingdomchurch.ca and we would love to connect with you. Be blessed as you continue your week.